You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Illustrated, Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Hey, welcome to the show. The gang is all here. Soon to be joined by Steve Irvine. Uh, we'll talk not just UAB, but some college football in general. Uh, I'd like to do a little bit of a dive into the transfer portal and how some use it to their advantage, some don't, and still have the advantage, i.e. Kirby Smart. Also, Corey Miller, father of Christian Miller, will be joining us at 1 o'clock, and that is always a blast because he is certainly a man with an opinion. Outside of the world of sports, I just like to make little notes every now and then, and I've been trying to do this for ever since I've been on the air. Today's December 7th, and I think that we forget the significance of this day in America's history, Lars. This is Pearl Harbor Day. This is huge. Um, An unprovoked, uh, just horrific attack on our nation. Uh, on Hawaii, and um, I just I, every once in a while I kind of like to shake people, not physically, maybe just say, "Hey, remember what happened here." Yeah, the uh, events that led us uh, into World War II uh, certainly monumental in uh, American history, and uh, there's still a lot of hard, hard feelings against uh, that country that that attacked us uh, among especially the older generations um you know my my father who served 43 years in the navy uh and is buried in arlington national cemetery uh never forgot about that never and when i wrote a book uh called the all americans which is about the 1941 army navy game which was played eight days before pearl harbor was attacked I interviewed every single remaining survivor, and this is probably back in 2002, 2003. It's it's one of the books that I'm most proud of. I, I traveled the country, including going to Hawaii, uh, and um, and and interviewed every single remaining survivor from both those Army and Navy teams, because right after eight days later, Pearl Harbor was attacked. The game was played on November 30th, 1941. Pearl Harbor was attacked, and suddenly these young men were now uh, thrust into being officers in the Army and the Navy. And, uh, and, and I, I tell you, what that did uh, to our country was amazing and monumental in how it brought everyone together. Everyone was unified because, man, if you punch us in the face... And that was the biggest punch we got in the face since 9-11, right? Oh, absolutely. And we, as a country, we're going to hit you back twice as hard. And uh, there was so much uh, heroism and, and sacrifice and uh, not, not just the young, young men 
and it was mostly young men who were fighting the war sort of on the ground and and at sea but also the women at home making sacrifices and and uh and, and even older people back on uh in the United States and and I don't think many people realize how close we were to having the Japanese invade California in the right. western part of the United States and um you know it, it, it pearl harbor could have even been worse and uh, i i'm just sort of talking off the top of my head here but uh it it really matt uh it was it, it was something and uh in 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 i don't know if there's a politically correct way to say this or not but but the japanese back then were ferocious fighters they were willing to give their lives up Kamikaze, Kamikaze. They, exactly. to to inflict harm on United States, to inflict harm on uh, U.S. soldiers. Can you and continue then, to draw some parallels then, here with nine eleven? Yeah, and then the way that our soldiers who were captured were treated, the Bataan Death March. Bert Bank. Uh, in in uh, one of the best books I've ever read uh, is called uh, Ghost Soldiers by Hampton Sides. And it recounts the uh, Bataan Death March and just what they went through. And I also just saw a really interesting thing that uh, Michael Belashosh, I think, I I forget how to uh, pronounce his name, but he's a historian and... um, he uh, uh, he's he's been posting a, a lot of different things today about World War II and and uh, and and how uh, this day, December seventh, uh, back in 1941, just changed everything for the United States. And uh, um, you know, uh, my dad to this day, uh, if he were still alive, uh, he he had such hard feelings uh against uh, the, the Japanese uh, I'm just being honest and, and 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 of course everything has changed and and look we didn't the United States did not handle things very well when it came to uh internment camps of the Japanese who were American citizens who had nothing to do with Pearl Harbor it's sort of a dark period in American history um but there are the, the wounds of what happened on that day Matt I promise you, they are not fully healed among a lot of people. It's the All-Americans from the football field. I highly suggest it as a Christmas gift. Lars Anderson, you can go straight as I did to Amazon.com. Place your order now. Please do. Um, no, again, it's it, it, it's it was so special for me to go and talk to these guys uh uh i talked to uh people like um henry romanek he was a defensive tackle on that army team and he led the, the army in tackles that day in in philadelphia which it, it, municipal stadium uh, by the way that army navy game in 1941 most highly attended sporting event in the united states 100 thousand people most highly attended sporting event in the united states that year but henry uh ended up being uh again an officer in 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 the uh in the army and he was a combat engineer and he was assigned uh he was there on d-day 
And the engineers really were among the first to hit the beach at Omaha because the engineers had to clear the beach of the obstacles, had to clear the um, had had to clear the beach of mines that the Germans had placed there, and uh, and and I mean Henry just told me these, this amazing story where where he's on a uh, an LCM a landing craft uh, motorized just a landing craft basically you get off the big ship. And then you have these little LCMs going, and, and it's it's exactly what uh, Tom Hanks's character was in in Saving Private Ryan. And Henry was in the front, and again, at the time, he's only about 24 now because it's a couple years after Pearl Harbor. And as they get closer and closer to the beach, they can hear the ping, 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 yeah. ping, 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 ping of the bullets hitting the LCM. And it, the the seas were so rough that virtually everybody aboard that LCM, and they're packed as tight as as can be, as tight as like a New York City subway at rush hour, uh, they're all vomiting. They're all sick. And Henry, he's just said, okay, this is our moment. This is our hour. This is our time. Going forward. We're going forward. And still the ping, 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 ping. And uh, the the front of the LCM comes down and Henry basically yells charge and Henry jumps he's in the he's in the very front of it he jumps and before his feet even hit the Atlantic Ocean bam a bullet slices right through his chest and uh, and he basically uh, uh, is is floating there uh, at the at the the close part of the beach and uh, he is about uh, in, in the process of bleeding to death in, in dying. And he is, is seen like in his mind, he's replaying his whole life. And he's actually replaying part of that Army-Navy game and like the highlights of his life. He is in the process of dying. And then suddenly a medic from the Navy, and you got to remember, Henry's an Army guy, a medic from the Navy grabs Henry out of the water and drags him across the sand to uh, the shingle area of uh, of Omaha. And that means it was, it was right at the base of the sort of little uh, cliff, the little mountain there. Not a mountain, but a, but a little the, – the hill there. The Jim, Germans were on top of the hill, which gave them a profound fighting advantage. But they were now out of the line of fire. And as the Navy medic is attending to Henry, Henry looks up at him and he says, I played football at Army. And he's saying this in almost a whisper because he's so out of breath and so close to death. I played football at Army. I hate Navy guys, but I sure as hell love you right now. Wow. And uh, an hour later, that Navy medic was killed on Omaha Beach. And, uh, and you know, when I was interviewing all these guys... They, uh, and it, it was almost the same pattern for every single one. We would sit on their front porch, we would drink, have a glass of like uh, lemonade or tea, and I would ask them, So, so tell me about your, tell me, tell me about your war experience, tell me, tell me about Pearl Harbor, tell me about, um, uh, D Day. And these guys would get far away looks in their eyes. 
and then they would start to talk and I wouldn't ask another question for about seven hours because they all were at the end of their lives and they wanted to share it with me. And it was just, it was such a profound experience. And I was so young when I was doing this book, I, I didn't even know what I was sitting on. And I so wish that I would have uh, uh, had a, a, a video tape or a camera of some sort to record all of this because it would have made it an amazing documentary. And I know I'm being long-winded here, but uh, it, it's something that had a real major impact on my life. Obviously, and, and no sarcasm intended. Uh, that was that was really it was very compelling, and I am so dang glad I brought it up. I am too. Uh, it's the first thing I thought about this morning. Um, yep, yeah, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad we did that. Hey, hey Christian is here. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on December 7th and also what's going on in the world of sports when we continue. This is Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. A Fincher and Osmond Christmas Wish from Tom Osmond. I wish your family peace and good health. I wish you a season of generosity and grace. At Christmas 59, tomorrow temperatures near record levels. The sky partially sunny, the high in the upper 70s at 79. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. New Year's resolutions... Sports, Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, Josh Joe, and the gang from Crawford and Town Square Media Broadcasting. Um, nice segment talking about December 7th. Moving along, as I said to uh, Lars during the previous break, since we started Big Noon Sports, every day we've come in with really good topics, usually two or three. Today, it's kind of zero. But uh, that's a perfect opportunity to bring Christian. What's that, Lars? There is one topic that I'd like to talk to Christian about. But, but first off, Christian, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing well. How are you all? Great. Doing good. Doing good. Um, yeah, just got news uh, coming out of uh, Orchard Park, New York, that Vaughn Miller is now, in fact, going to be done for the season uh, with a, with an ACL injury. He had a exploratory surgery in Texas on Tuesday, and they found out, in fact, that uh, he had a, a significant ACL injury in his right knee, so they put him on IR, and uh, they had hoped that he would be able to return this season but uh, now, in fact, uh, he is not going to be able to. And so what does this do for the Bills' ho- hopes of winning the Super Bowl? I mean, you, uh, you, know, you, you know that position well. You know how good Vaughn Miller is. Uh, you know the, the, the Bills' personnel. Uh, what does this do for them just in terms of the overall picture of, of trying to win a, uh, a conference championship and a Super Bowl championship? You know, it definitely uh, is going to be critical. 
Um, you know, that loss is, you know, definitely a huge blow to that defense. You know, he was a team leader in sacks and uh, uh, definitely a very vocal leader for that defense. So definitely going to be tough to replace him. Um, but you got guys like, you know, Gregory, Gregory Rosu, A.J. Epinesa, uh, Boogie Basham, who was a recent draft pick, and um, even Shaq Lawson. So they've got some depth on that defensive line, uh, specifically at the edge position. It's going to be critical those guys kind of fill in the void and, and, and are able to get some good pass rush. But um, anytime you lose uh, one of your most prominent defenders like that, um, it's, it's always hard to replace. But does that mean they're out of the, the, the Super Bowl picture? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, football, you have 11 men on the field, and even though one guy can be, you know, pivotal for your, your team, um, it's always what they say, you know, next man up. And so I, I truly expect those other guys to step up and, and fill in for his place. And uh, I'm sure he'll still probably be around the program, you know, in spirit and in trying to uh, motivate those guys. But uh, in terms of getting it done on the field, it's going to be on those other guys to step in his place and uh, fill the void. How much longer does he hang around? Does Von Miller hang around? Yeah. I, I think he'll be around for a couple years maybe. Uh, I mean, he – I kind of thought that he was somewhat, uh, I hate to use this phrase about an athlete, but somewhat washed up after he left Denver. You weren't alone there, Lord. Uh But then he goes to L.A., or goes and plays for the Rams, and uh, has a real impact on the, with the Rams, especially late in the season. And this year with the Bills, he seemed so rejuvenated and was just uh, just a, a dominant force and and playing like he did when he was in his prime, and uh, and and the Bills obviously saw something in him because they signed him to a six year, one hundred twenty million dollar contract, uh, and uh, so I, I I certainly do not believe this is the end for for Von Miller. But uh, it's a big blow, uh, no doubt, to Buffalo just because he is that rare defensive player, Christian, who can take over a game. I mean, and and now you you go back and you look at the Rams' defensive line from last year, Von Miller and Aaron Donald. I mean, it's just no wonder uh, Joe Burrow didn't have that extra second on the last play of the Super Bowl to hit Jamar Chase, (laughs) who was open by 20 yards. Uh, Something that uh, we even referenced yesterday when we were talking to Joe Burrow's dad. Uh, and and you know that that uh, that play Christian haunts Joe Burrow, but um, not as much as it does you. Yeah, I know. I only talk about it every other day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're we're eleven months or ten months removed from it, but um, yeah, I mean, th- th- does this impact? Um, you know. I, other guys do have to step up, and and you named a bunch of significant players. They they have the talent. Uh, did you ever play a game in Buffalo? And I, I, I've heard, and I, I've never been to an NFL game in Buffalo. Never covered a game, but I know the the fans are so passionate, and that it it that uh, it, it, in Orchard Park in Buffalo, uh, outside right outside of Buffalo, uh, that. It uh, it feels like a college game day atmosphere there more than any NFL stadium. It, have you had to experience that? Never played up there, uh, but I have teammates that play there. And uh, number one, first and foremost, I hear it's so cold, always snowing. Um, but I do uh, always hear about the fans and, and how it's probably the closest thing you can get to a college atmosphere in terms of the passion that those fans have. 
And not to mention that I'm pretty sure that the, the, the group that started the whole, you know, jumping off of things and busting tables, I don't understand the logic behind that. <laughs> I guess they, they're <laughs> releasing their, their inner WWE uh, <laughs> wrestling, uh, <laughs> I don't know, personas. I don't know. It's crazy. If you ever see those videos, man, you have to see them. Like, these guys are literally jumping yeah, off. Yeah, I, I think cold weather makes people kind of dumb sometimes because you see the people in the in Packers that you, I think the Packers may be close as far as the college atmosphere but they're without a shirt on with a cheese head on the Bills Bills Mafia that's what they're called yeah, they're, they're Bills the, Mafia. the diehards and uh, they are a great group of fans and they have so much fun and you know those are the guys that have their shirts off when it's a negative 13 wind chill out um Christian, what's the coldest game you ever played in? Uh, yeah, that, I, I think I t- said it on here. I think probably the the Green Bay game at Green Bay. I mean, that's oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. probably as cold as it gets. I do want to go back to what you uh, you mentioned about you know Aaron Donald and, and Von Miller, and uh, it's just you know if you think about it, to have you know pass rush you know that <laughs> effective from the interior and exterior is is just absurd, and and I think. Uh, the reason I find it so fascinating is because it reminds me of honestly when I was here, um, that was what helped our passers be so effective. Um, if you look back in like 2016, you had guys like Jonathan Allen and uh, Jaron Reed and, and um, Sean Robinson, those guys on the interior. Then you had uh, Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson, those guys on the outside. Um, just you know, basically the way they work together, you know, uh, cohesively. It just it it was man. It's just like the quarterback has nowhere to go because when he feels pressure. From the interior, you know, he tries to roll outside, but then you got guys like Ryan and Tim on that ready, just waiting on him, and vice versa. Those guys are bringing pressure on the outside, bending the edge, forcing him to step up, and he's stepping right into Jonathan Allen's hands. And, you know, even my senior year, you know, we had Quentin Williams and Raquan Davis, and then uh, me, Terrell Lewis, Anthony on the outside. Anytime you you can have guys like that that can rush from the interior and exterior all together and just have it all mesh and flow so well, man, it's so effective. And it's, it's just tough for a quarterback to even uh, come up with a game plan to, to be effective. I remember Coach Saban once uh, told me, and this is a long time ago, that uh, we were talking about Josh Chapman, who was his very first recruit at Alabama. Josh had committed to uh, Auburn, and Nick Saban flipped him. And he was a really great interior uh, defensive player, nose tackle out of Hoover. And I'm, I'm Christian. I'm sure. I'm sure you know him. Oh, yeah. um, and 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 what uh, and what Josh told me that that Coach Saban told him was, hey, everything starts right in the interior. These this it's it's like the most important part of the entire defense because it's it's almost like the game of chess. If you control the middle four squares in the game of chess, you are most likely going to be controlling the game. And when it comes to uh, Alabama's defense, probably all defenses, Christian, I'd love to get your analysis of this. If you got uh, a couple guys in the interior of your defensive line that can hold the point of attack uh, and, 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 and put pressure on the quarterback – or also just just free up the linebackers to make plays, it changes the whole dynamic of the entire defense. Hundred percent, and uh, that's why they say that the game is won in the trenches, and that's true. And it goes for both sides of the football. You know, you know, from a defensive standpoint, you mentioned it great. You know, 
when your defense linemen are getting knocked back and they're pushing those linemen back in the backfield, there's nowhere to run the football. They're plugging the gaps. They're leaving the linebackers free uh, to to hit to run through their run through their gaps and play sideline to sideline. And then again in the pass rush, it, it works out perfectly when you have a, a big nose tackle or a defensive tackle. Um, who's just so you know effective and efficient working with uh, within the the offensive line and and able to you know get the quarterback off of his spot it pushes him right to the uh, the edge defenders and as long as you're keeping contained he'll come right to you and you know you look at the offensive line same thing you know when you have interior offensive linemen those guards getting knocked back and pushed on the uh, defensive line you know the running back has more holes to hit. You know, when they're protecting the quarterback, he can sit back there and pick the defense apart. It's almost like he's playing seven on seven. So there's a reason they say the game is one in the trenches. And uh, it's, it's very true. If you don't have an offensive defensive line, you don't really stand a chance in today's game. Christian, you probably saw this this morning, too, as far as uh, activity in the NFL linebackers in Alabama. Is uh, Reggie Ragland uh, is immediately signed with the Browns. He came off the the uh, Las Vegas boys. I'm still wanting to call them Oakland. Yeah. Uh, the Raiders uh, inactive roster, and uh, he may just step right in to start playing. So, big shout out to your buddy there, Reggie Ragland. We'll talk more NFL at the top of the hour with Christian Miller's father, Corey. That is always gold. Must listen radio. Also, same true with Steve Irvine coming up. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. I just found someone the perfect gift. And when my friend asked where they could get it, I said only at Kohl's. I've been gift shopping there and getting Kohl's cash every day while saving on must-haves like sweater. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports. Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and uh, being joined by, I would say now, is a pretty much a regular guest on the show as we talk UAB football, basketball, with Steve Irvine of 1819 News slash Sports. But today we'll certainly hit on Trent Dilfer and all that, going through the car wash this week. But um, also just want to talk some college football in general. Steve, it's Matt and the gang. Appreciate you joining us again. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Matt. How, how you guys? Hey, by the way, I need to get on the payroll now. I mean, uh, you, this regular yeah, guest okay. job, I need to, uh, you know, it's Christmas time. I need to, I need to uh, uh, buy we'll make what we're kids, making. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay, right, just, deal. G- g- all right. Uh, g- General, uh, just Chris, I, I always ask this question, and I will do it to many more guests. Have you done any Christmas shopping, or are you one of those guys that's already finished? Finished, man. I didn't start it. I don't start it. So I was. I used to always be that one that would be uh, literally be in the malls on, uh, on on Christmas Eve and just trying to find whatever whatever I could find. But I, you know, I go a little earlier this year. I'll probably go to you know two days before Christmas instead of Christmas Eve. So, uh, but no, I hadn't. I don't start too quickly. That's for sure. I go to the Publix. Go to that end of the aisle display. Gift card. Gift card. Gift card. Gift card. Okay, I'm not, I'm not really that lazy. Steve, uh, what has been your general 
Um, from I mean, what have you gleaned in the, just the first few days that Trent Dilfer has been the uh, head football coach at UAB? Well, um, he he goes about things a little differently. That's that's for sure. I mean, he's he's definitely got his own, uh, you know, philosophy on on uh, on football. And I, and I do think that that um, from what I've seen so far, you know, what he does is is pretty much what this program needed. You know, a little bit. I mean, they needed. Uh, and he just, you know, needed a change, you know, and just kind of needed to, uh, you know, not that the, you know, obviously the old, the old staff and the old, uh, the old way worked pretty well. You know, it's, it's in, in 17, it's certainly been the best era, you know, of UAB football by far. Uh, so there were, you know, so, so one like they didn't do things right, but, you know, I, I do think it was, you know, maybe a little stale and, and ready for, for a change. And he's, he does, you know. He he looks at it a little differently, uh, you know. But but just by the way that you, what we've seen of kind of how he's put together the staff so far, at least, and uh, just the way he he recruits is a little different. He's very you know very aggressive recruiting, and uh, so it, it's um it's it's been an interesting few days. Chris Mortensen at ESPN has uh, become a, a, a close friend of mine over the years, and, and you know he's had his own sort of health battles, and and just uh, just a wonderful, terrific, solid as a rock guy. And his son is Alex Mortensen, who is a former Arkansas and Sanford quarterback, and he spent the past few seasons as an analyst on Coach Saban's staff down in Tuscaloosa. And now he is uh, Trent Dilfer has hired him to be the offensive coordinator at UAB, uh, and, and I and I love this because I think Alex Mortensen is a rising star, and not just because of his last name. What can you tell us about the the style of play? I don't know if you've had a chance to study sort of you know what exactly uh, he wants to do and and. And uh, and and in the kind of offense that he uh, ran as a quarterback at Arkansas and Sanford, but what are your expectations of Alex Mortensen, and do you like the hire? Well, I, I tell you what, I mean, as far as liking the hire, you know, when when I first heard it, uh, you know, you're a little bit skeptical because you just don't know, you know. I mean, when you hear analysts, you hear, you know. The the uh, the resume part of it, if you don't look a little deeper into it, you look at it and you go, well, I don't know if that, you know, I don't know if that's good. But but as soon as I mean, I'm telling you, probably ten minutes or so after uh, after it was after we kind of found out that that was going to happen, I get a text from a uh, you know a coaching friend of mine that that I really really respect, and he's just raving about Alex Mortensen, saying, man, what a great hire! This guy's going to you know. I get out of the park, and I thought, okay, well, there's one. And then I'm telling you, within an hour, I probably had five or six texts from from football guys, from coaching friends, of coach people I've known in the coaching business over the years, and all of them were just raving about him. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe maybe this is a good thing, you know? Because at first, again, at first you're skeptical, but I don't know exactly what you know what it's going to look like, what what he's going to do. But I uh, but but I do. What I have heard is. Um, is there's got to be some innovative stuff, you know. It's not going to be just your just your old fashioned, you know, type of football, which has kind of really been happening around, you know, around UAB for for a while now. And so I am excited to see him get in and and see him uh, go talk to him and you know watch him during the spring and that type of thing to see exactly what 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 they're going to do. But I do expect uh, I do expect him and, and I you know from what I've heard from people, what you just said is I think he is a rising star in the business. 
Steve, when you're talking about Alex Mortensen, you know, joining the staff at UAB, do you think there's any potential that, you know, he could possibly bring along some uh, transfer portal guys from Alabama with him? Uh, absolutely. I think that's a possibility. I, you know, I, I, I do know that is a great question, Christian. And I, I think it is. I mean, I think there is a, a strong possibility because I, I know that they really want to hit the portal hard, uh, particularly this first year. And I think that's kind of going to be a style that they do, that they continue. Uh, but, but I do think this first year they're going to hit the portal hard. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Cause you know, what I keep hearing about Alex Gordon is how much, how how much how much the players connect with him, you know? And you, you know, you're talking about, you know, guys like Tua and 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 Bryce Young, and you know, I mean, just all these names you hear that really connected with him. And so I could, I would be, I would be surprised if there's not a player or two at least that that, that come from Alabama, but you know, because of Alex Morgan. Matt, I've told you how many uh, like. Nebraska would love all of Alabama's sloppy seconds. Just get all twelve. Yeah, come on. just, get, come on. Yeah, just get on board. Yeah, everybody's guaranteed a starting spot. Just come on. Did you just say sloppy seconds? I just uh, oh. ah. Uh, uh, one more question about UAB because I want to get your uh, your your take on what's going on in college football with the Final Four now. Have you talked to Brian Vincent? And, and if so, um, how is he? Just to be very very honest with you. Yeah, I, t- I talked to him a lot. I've talked to him a lot since this, this happened. I saw him yesterday at practice, and we talked a little bit afterwards. And you know, he's he's um, you know, he, he's ready to move on. You know, I mean, he's you know, obviously he's hurt. You know, he he um, he wanted that job, and and but but he understands. I mean, I, you know, I think that uh, particularly day, you know, with each day, the understanding comes a little easier, you know, to him. But um, he um, you know, he he felt like he. he could have you know done a good job there moving forward. And I do too. I think he could have done a good job moving forward. But you know he understands it's the nature of the business. But you know he's doing well and he's going to land on his feet. He has you know I don't know any particulars, but but you know he's had several people reach out to him, and uh, you know is is you know probably more of a coordinator than than a head coach right now. But uh, you never know what's going to what going to happen with some head coaching stuff you know still out there. So. We'll see, but you know he—he's uh, right now. I think I think it's really good for him right now that that they're back on the field to get ready to get ready for this bowl game because I think he's been able to kind of lose himself in in the preparation right now and spending you know because he's so he, you know this is this was a pretty special team to him and you know being his first year as a college you know head coach even though it's interim but still you know I, I think he's he, right now he's he's kind of lost himself in, in in that you know in the preparation and. And I think that's helped a lot. Steve, you mentioned that Trent Dilfer, you already can see, he's, he's kind of going to be doing things in an unconventional way. Can you expand on that? I mean, is part of that hiring Alex Mortensen, who never been a coordinator before, is now his OC? Uh, can you just expand on, on what Trent Dilfer, uh, how his way is going to be a little different than uh, traditional head coaches? Yeah, I, th- I think it starts with the, with the staff. I mean, I think you know, Alex Wardens is a good example of that. But from what I understand, and I haven't had a chance to sit down with 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 uh, Trent, you know, one on one type thing, and I'll ask a lot of this stuff. But when I do, but um, I, from what I understand from other people, that you know, the way he's going to go about building a staff is is he wants to build a staff. It's almost like he wants to build a staff of really strong analysts first. You know that that you know he he. 
he, from what I understand, he, he treats an analyst like he's an on the field type of coach. You know, he wants that type of that type of analyst, not just somebody. You know, not, not just throw somebody in that role. You know, uh, not just so like say a young guy in that role and go, okay, you go learn. You know, uh, I mean, he wants to really kind of build from, I guess, the inside up. You know, type thing, and or, and and so you know, it's just it's it's interesting to see, you know, that that that's sort of his focus. I mean, you know, even you know from when I heard, I mean, he hadn't really a lot of the on field stuff he hadn't come close to deciding but he put all the analysts and that type of thing he, he you know he wanted to get in there first almost and so it's it's just a little different because you know from 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 my point of view when you see you know when you see coaches build staff you know they always start with the on-field guys you know so okay well let's get this let's get this out of the way or you're not out of the way but let's get this done first and then we'll you know then we'll the, you know kind of the, the guts of the of the staff we'll put the, we'll add those later and um, and so I think that's a little bit of it, and uh, you know just just a little bit. I've heard him talk about his you know coaching philosophy that um, just it's just different. I mean, it's just uh, you know I don't think that traditional, you know I don't think that's it anywhere part of his vocabulary. I think he's just uh, one of those innovative type guys that um, it's going to be really fun just to watch how he builds an offense and 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 how he builds it. And you know you even look at the defenses. His defensive coordinator is uh, he's a Samoan guy. I, I'm on, I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, Tao Alfer, the No Way Tao. That close, but guy who spent his life basically an offensive guy. So he worked in, in the quarterback, quarterback guy, and and uh, came uh, came with him to lips and was his defensive coordinator. And I think he sort of wanted to bring an offensive guy to coach defense because they understand, you know, what they what, what bothers them when, you know, when they're playing, you know, what, what bothers them from a defense. So I think things like that are, are not a traditional way of looking at it. And I love it. I mean, I, I, you know, I love one of the best, when I worked in California, one of the best coaches, one of the best offensive coaches I, I ever was around was a guy who had spent his first, 25, 30 years of coaching as, as a defensive guy. And then one day he just said, you know what? He was head coach. He said, I'm going I'm to start coaching the offense. And he was, he was brilliant because he had spent his life, you know, trying, trying to, you know, to learn offenses. And, and, and so that's kind of the same sort of a approach I think Dilfer's taking with that. It reminds me, as we go to break, Steve, and, and you were around when Watson Brown was the head coach at UAB, uh, oddly enough. Rick Christfell was his offensive coordinator. He lost his offensive coordinator. In the spring, he was the defensive coordinator. And yeah, they went on to have one of the greatest def- – they had the steel shield, which is, yeah, you know, in, in Blazer history, that that was incredible. Steve, uh, I want to talk yeah. more college football with you. Why don't you just come by and, and sit in the studio with us sometime next week? That good? Yeah, absolutely. Let me know the day I'll be there. Awesome. Happy holidays to you and your family. Thanks, Steve. Right. Thank you, Steve. Hey, Matt. On the other Thank side, I, 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 on the other side, I want to ask Christian what exactly an analyst does at Alabama. I've always wanted to know, but we'll get into that on the other side. I, I've always here's another thing. Adding to that, I've always been curious of how much money they make because I, I think we'd be surprised. You're listening to Big Men Sports.
From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Christmas is perfect for getting engaged. You guys know there's no way you're getting through the holidays without going to at least one dinner party at her family's place. Uh, and when you get there... Oh, at 59. Tomorrow, temperatures near record levels. The sky partially sunny. The high in the upper 70s at 79. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Nothing but incredible uh, to the University of Alabama, Birmingham. The Nick Saban piece is really interesting, too. I've known Nick a long time. I have a great relationship with Nick. You know, Nick entrusted me with Tua uh, during his training for the draft and coming off the injury. I was in constant contact with him. Nick was one of the first people that called me uh, when I got this job. Nick Saban, you, people can think whatever they want about him, but that guy has nothing but class uh, and is a king maker. You know, he doesn't just uh, hide assets and try to do it for himself. He wants other people to be successful. So uh, Nick's been great to me. Um, listen, we're, <laughs> we know who the grand poopah is in the state of Alabama, hmm. right? But there are a lot of great football players in the state of Alabama, and there are a lot of great high school football coaches. Uh, and we plan on going and meeting them all and finding the ones that are going to make UAB a power. The college football playoff expands. We plan on being there, and I will yell that for that is Trent Dilfer. He was on Rich Eisen's show just a day or so ago and uh, talking up the GOAT and uh, also his plans. And he needs to knock on every 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A, 6A, 7A, and private school door and get to know those coaches. He just said all the right things. He did. Uh, one, it's smart to kiss the ring. And two, he's doing something that Brian Harson never did. He's going to get in his car. And he is going to travel around the state of Alabama and meet with high school coaches, develop, cultivate, nurture those relationships. Because, and Christian, correct me if I'm wrong, high school coaches wield tremendous influence in where their players will ultimately go, correct? That's exactly right. You look at Alabama, you know, they usually have uh, at their Nick Saban football camps, there's uh, the regulars that you see around there, uh, high school coaches that, that come year in and year out, bring their guys uh, to the football camps and let them showcase their talent. So definitely pivotal to have, uh, you know, those relationships between high school coaches and college programs to uh, help out with recruiting and uh, help help funnel those uh, those young athletes into these programs. Okay, so I uh, before the break, I, I I mentioned I wanted to ask you what exactly does an analyst at Alabama do? And uh, I, I think I have some vague idea, but nobody's really ever explained it to me. Can you do that? Of course. So. Um, Basically, it's like this. All right. So they're, they're almost like a coach um, without, you know, uh, the duties of, you know, coaching a specific group. Um, I, would, I basically would say they're a critical and crucial piece to each coaching staff nowadays. Um, their main job is to analyze and uh, focus on film and tendencies of, of opponents, um, including yourself as well. Um, they're, they're basically offering their insight and perspectives, you know, for game plans and just giving a, an extra an extra mind, uh, so to speak, to these coaches. Uh, they can look at things from different perspectives and offer some insight 
And uh, they really create a competitive advantage because um, there's no limit on the number of analysts you can have because they aren't counted as uh, a traditional coach. Uh, so they don't count towards your number of coaches that you can have. Uh, there are some constraints, so they're prohibited from, you know, directly coaching players or off-campus recruiting. However, when they're in the building, I mean, they technically are just an extra uh, coach, so to speak. Um, so they are huge. They're crucial. Um, you know, Alabama, you, you see our analysts consists of former head coaches, former coordinators, um, big-time names that have been coaching for a very long time. So basically just having like an extra mind in those meetings that can break down film and usually they're assigned certain positions um so if a guy has experience with you know defensive backs that's going to be his expertise he's just going to focus solely on the defensive backs of your team and see how they can improve and also focus on the tendencies of the others um from the opponents that you face and, and just find ways to give you guys another edge and it just offers some more insight uh to the program so i know alex personally super bright mind um, really creative guy, and uh, he's one of those guys. He kind of reminds me of Glenn Schumann, who's over at Georgia now, who is actually an on-field coach, um, who just you know worked behind the scenes and was huge and crucial in, in in the coaching staff, just behind the scenes and didn't necessarily get the credit he deserved. But now he's got an opportunity to to showcase his talents as a coach, and I'm uh, really excited for him. And I always thought these guys would be making three hundred fifty, four hundred thousand dollars a year. I think it's basically you get seventy five thousand. I mean, not that that's chump change, but yeah, I, Sark came all the way to be an analyst and make $68,000 a year. Uh, anyway, uh, that's the first hour. Coming up next, we've Look got Corey now. Miller. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, what is he making? Six? Five? Six? Yeah. Back in a minute. Dell Technologies' Days of Deals for Business start now with fresh, limited-quantity deals on tech to drive productivity. Save on select performance laptops and desktops Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm fired up. I'm getting ready to walk into a field house here and I hang up with you. I'm going to go in there tingly. I'm a fire breather. Like, let's go. I want to meet you, coach. I want to establish a relationship with you. I want to talk to your players. I want to find the best ones. I'm making good men. I'm making a great, not a good, a great football player. I mean, I'm getting fired up just talking to you. I love I mean, it. kind of juice since I was you know, doing Dilfer's Dimes on Monday night when yeah. I jump out of my seat and my, you know, I had fire coming out of my mouth. And that's how I feel. And that's what this program's going to be built on is this type of juice and energy. Yeah, I'm feel, I feel the, I feel the same way just listening to you, Trent. Rich Eisen with Trent Dilfer, by the way. Dilfer's doing what they call a car wash, which, by the way, in terms of the media, that is a very, very appropriate term. It just means... You're going through the interview line, kind of like a gauntlet, just not as physical. So uh, we UAB, put our request but, in, and then we'll have Trent on here before too. But you know what? Long. If UAB hires a uh, coach who doesn't have the profile of Trent Dilfer, that UAB coach is not going through the ESPN car wash. No. This is great, great PR for not just UAB, but uh, for the, the school. But for the program and, and recruiting 
And look, I, I think early returns are just amazing. The exposure that UAB is getting is absolutely wonderful because they are trying to do something uh, that hasn't been done because this is a very unconventional approach to hiring a, a head football coach. We'll bring Corey in in just a second, but I want to ask you guys and, and Christian, uh, just start with you. I get this inkling that something special is about to happen at UAB. So that that's just my thoughts, Christian. Yeah, I think so too. You know, I, I love his energy and I love his passion, and uh, I know he has a lot of you know experience. Maybe not on the coaching level at the, at the college level, but um, you know he definitely has played the game and he has a, a plethora of information and. and uh, understands the game so i think as long as he uh, can assemble the the right guys around him i think he's going to have a lot of success, success there at uab let's bring it let's talk to your dad let's bring him on nine-year nfl veteran uh, south carolina hall of fame Corey miller joining us now how's it going what you got going on today What's up, guys? Christian, Lawrence, and Matt. Good to be on with you guys on SGR. You guys said I love his voice on Big Noon Sports. That's right. <laughs> yeah, he's that. our guy. I love him. <laughs> is that the guy they call Milk? That is. That is Milk. It's, it's, uh, it's a very unmilk-like sounding voice, though. <laughs> uh, anyway. I was uh, I was just going to ask you real quick. You know, we uh, you know just saw that the four Heisman finalists had um, been announced and uh, just was curious on your thoughts on that were there any surprises on there did you see anybody on there that you felt um, that should have been on there that might have got snubbed well you know I don't even know if we need to, to call this thing the Heisman anymore or maybe we should redefine you know what the Heisman is first of all I, I think you know listen I, I mean there's several guys I, I think you know the quarterback from Washington if anybody like I like me, I stay up and, and watch the Pac-12 at night. I always do. I, I saw, I think, Pennix, uh play a lot of football games. He is amazing. And that team wouldn't be nowhere uh, what they are without him. I, I felt like Bryce Young, uh, after winning last year, should have got the, the invite back. I, you know, I understand the Stetson Bennett story. You know, walk on, turn, superstar. Uh, I get it. But I, I just don't feel like he's the guy that, that's going to win the Heisman. I think he eats up a spot. Um, you know, you got to look at what's around him. Could anybody uh, just average go into Georgia and play quarterback with all the talent that they have around him? I'm pretty sure it wouldn't take a special player uh, to put up the numbers that he's put up. Uh, C.J. Stroud, I mean, he's a great player. Uh, you know, he had a couple of bad games. The last one that I remember was against Michigan, and we had the game against Northwestern where everybody blamed the weather. But, hey, weather's a part of football. You, you have to deal with it. Uh, he didn't play well at all. I think he threw for less than 100 yards, I believe, in that game. Um, but I don't know. I, I think uh, Coram, the running back from, from Michigan, uh, I think uh, Hendon, uh, you know, should have been in that that that, that uh, conversation as well from Tennessee. So I don't know. I, I'm just I'm upset with what, what we're defining the Heisman Trophy winner as today because it obviously is not going to the best college football player in America. Yeah, you may as well call it the best quarterback in America. Um, yeah, pretty know, much. Or, the, yeah. or the, the the best quarterback in America who has the best SID at promoting that quarterback in America. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm with you on that, uh, Corey. Hey, we talked earlier about Vaughn Miller and the fact that Vaughn Miller, the 
amazing defensive end for the Buffalo Bills now going to be out for the rest of the season with an ACL. Do you think, well, let me just ask you this. What impact will that have, other than the obvious, on the Bills and their pursuit of trying to make it to the Super Bowl? Well, I think they brought Von in to, to do what he does. He seemed to be that guy that makes big plays when it counts in playoffs and Super Bowls. You go back, I heard Christian talking about, you know, with Aaron Donald on the inside, you know, a guy that can push the pocket, force quarterbacks to, to run on the outside, where you run them into guys like Von Miller, who, who constricts, you know, the edge, you know, push that tackle butt back in to see that quarterback. And so those guys work hand-in-hand. You go back to uh, his Super Bowl run with Denver. Uh, against Carolina, I believe he, he came up huge in that ball game. Uh, what, what, what last year, big time game? It was Von Miller coming up with big plays along with Aaron Donald. And Buffalo's hoping that hey, we got this guy that's been in those big moments. We're right there. We are Super Bowl uh, contending right now, uh, and we need a guy like Von Miller to be that difference maker because we're gonna get into a shootout uh, maybe against Kansas City again. We need that guy to get to a Patrick Mahomes. We're gonna need that guy, you know. Uh, if somehow Tom Brady gets back in this conversation with the Bucks or, or some phenomenal football player on the NFC side. I, I mean, so it, it is, it's, it's a tough loss, but I think it's a loss that Buffalo can still overcome. I heard Christian uh, shout names out there earlier. He's right. Uh, next man up mentality. Uh, but I think right now, you know, where we had our focus on Von Miller, now we go to Josh Allen and say, okay, uh, you know, you know, Diggs, we got to, we got to do this thing. We got to do it offensively now because, the guy we were hoping on the defensive side is gone, so we got to be better in other areas. So I think you're still going to see the Buffalo Bills do what they do and, and, and be in that conversation when it comes to the Super Bowl. I want to shift gears real quick back to college for a second. I know you've been vocal about it. You know, Sunday they released the, the playoff rankings, and unfortunately Alabama was left out. Coming in at five, you know, what were your thoughts on that? And, uh, uh, I know you. I know you didn't agree with some of these uh, sports pundits out there. So I just want to let you have a moment to kind of <laughs> express your thoughts on the whole playoff uh, rankings. Well, let's be real, guys. I mean, what what is the uh, the college football playoff? What is the definition of it? Right? Do we want the most deserving team, or do we want the best four teams? Now, so when you say it's deserving. You might, oh, TCU uh, had a phenomenal year, you know, in the Big Big Twelve or whatever it's called, and uh, you know. But I'm not, I'm not thrilled about the conference. I don't think it's a juggernaut conference. I mean, and then Ohio State, you get boat raced. I mean, a boat raced by a team that is in the college football playoff, Michigan, right? We got a very <laughs> a relevant, uh, uh, you know, a, a situation that we just seen happen. At home, hundred thousand at the shoe in your backyard, and you get you just get boat racing, and you lose. And I know they try to say, well, they were close for three quarters. Well, Mister Boo, U Corrigan, I think a football game is four quarters, right? You got beat down in the fourth quarter, and you got beat down overall. And you are gonna put that team in there, TCU? I know that they was twelve and zero, but you lost to Kansas State to a team that was ranked number 10. So you're going to put that team in the playoffs? You're going to tell me that's a top four team? I have a problem with it. I have a problem that if you lose, that you don't move. I have a problem with that. I have a problem that you can sit here and get blown out and say, hey, we're going to put you right back in there because you're still that good. And to me, I, I use the human element, okay? 
I played a lot of years of football. I understand the game. I study it still today. And there's no way you cannot tell me that Alabama is a top four team. They're, they're, they're one of the best four teams. Now, I know they lost on the road at LSU. I know they lost on the road at Tennessee. A combined four points. They should have won both of those games. So you penalize them, but then a team gets boat raced and they don't get penalized. A team loses right there that we've just seen on Saturday. I know Max Duggan is a great story, but they lost. They lost to a team that was a backup quarterback. Uh, the best wide receiver goes out. They, had, they were minus two starters in the secondary. They lost. And they played. It was like a home game for them where they played. So I, I just, I, I'm upset about all this stuff. About what is it? Is it the, is it who's deserving based on metrics? And well, then let's just go back to the BCS and be done with it. If that's what we want to do, let's let a computer just go in there and just mix stuff up and just spit out the two best teams and have a national championship. Because of this mess that they're doing right now is foolish to me. Nine-year NFL vet Corey Miller is our guest. Last week you spoke uh, very emotionally uh, about the transfer portal. I'd like to get your thoughts on NIL, but we need to take a break. You know the business. Can you hang yes, on? Sir. Yes, sir. I'm good to go. All right, go. we'll continue. All right. Awesome. Uh, he is. Uh, other than Christian, this is my favorite guest now. <laughs> well, Christian's not a guest. Christian's a, he's, he's a staple. I, I, but, but Corey is... Uh, he's tough yeah, to he's be, he's climbed man. the ranks. He's number, he's, he's number one for me, too. No doubt. We'll be right back. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Town Square Media, along with Spiller Furniture and Townsend Nissan, want to see your holiday spirit in lights. Neighborhoods are shining bright this Christmas, thanks to the countless hours it took you to wrap your trees. Low at 59. Tomorrow, temperatures near record levels. The sky partially sunny, the high in the upper 70s at 79. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Big noon sports, Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Corey Miller, Christian's dad and nine-year NFL bet is on our show right now. And last week as we were wrapping up, Corey, you, you went into detail about how much you dislike the transfer portal. Alabama has now 12, and I think maybe earlier today I heard there's now 13 players that are in the transfer portal. Uh, wow. Touch briefly on your frustrations concerning that, uh, but go into great detail uh, about with your thoughts about the NIL. Yeah, you know, it's just really, I think a 1,000 kids went in the portal just on yesterday, I believe, over 1,000. Which is it's just phenomenal. I mean, I just was looking at Twitter and saw Florida have six guys today uh, into the transfer portal. Alabama seems like every day. I mean, these guys are starters. Some of them are starters. Played a lot of valuable minutes. I don't get it. I mean, you sign up to play for a university, uh, and you say, hey, "I love the school." You do the whole 
hat thing, and now they got all kind of deals you do. You go to the school, and all of a sudden, you're putting your name in the portal. Why? Why are you doing this because of money? Some of them, I get it. You know, Trey Sanders, I get it. Uh, you know, but these guys just throwing their name in there just for the sake of throwing their name in there. They're not happy. Well, I'm not getting all the balls that I want. I'm not getting the playing time. It's ridiculous. These kids don't want to compete no more. They want to hand me out. Their hands are like cups. They're going to go to the next team and say, hey, we can give you this or guarantee you this. I was looking at, uh, you know, these guys got a value by their name. You know, DJ Uyunglele, I said a $397,000 value in the transfer portal. I mean, it's crazy. Why? I mean, well, it, I hate it for the fans because you're not going to start to be able to build relationships, guys. You know, you're going to have that player-fan, you know, relationship down the road years. Hey, you played here in this year, this era. This is going to be gone. It's kind of like free agency in the NFL. You know, I played with the Giants for eight years. When I go back, people are familiar. They still talk about the days of me and LT and Carl Banks and, you know, Bill Sims, O.J. Anderson. But you're not going to have this anymore because of the NIL. They're chasing the bag, as they say. And and, and it's, it's sad. It's sad, man. I think it's ruining college football. Listen, I understand there are scenarios, guys, where I, the player needs to go. And I think, listen, let's be real. Some of the coaches are telling some of them to go because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. They, they're not going to be a player there. They may say, hey, you know, I heard you guys talking yesterday about the, the exit meetings, right? You know, you might want to go somewhere else. Coaches are fine with that, and I'm fine with that. But, man, just a free-for-all, the Wild Wild West guys, come on. I'm, and I'm about players getting the money, getting paid. They deserve it. But this is ruining college football. I mean, over 1,000 guys in one day. And the other part of this, and I'll shut up, is that a lot of these guys, probably about 50% of them, are going to find themselves on the streets looking for a job begging schools to take them because the grass is not going to always be greener for them. And nobody's really, really having a... a a conversation to help these kids say, listen, you might want to think before you make this decision. And that's what's the scary part for me. Okay, so, I, I, man, there's so many different directions we could go. Uh, I think JT Daniels, uh, the quarterback who has basically played everywhere, is going to become the face of the transfer portal because he started at USC, he went to Georgia, went to West Virginia, and now he just entered the portal again, and he still has two years of eligibility left. So he still he, he technically could have a chance. He's going to Auburn. I, I don't know where he's going, but he'll have a chance to play in all five power conferences if he wants to, right? He could go to the Big Ten this year, maybe go uh, hit, hit Wisconsin or Nebraska, and then he's got oh that extra year of eligibility, maybe play at Oklahoma State. All right, but I want to. I, I want. I totally want to switch directions here and talk about Deion Sanders. And okay. speaking of transfer portal, Deion Sanders said that God led him to Jackson State. All right, he sold a yeah. dream, and now apparently God has told him to go to Colorado, and God is telling him to take his son to Colorado to be the starting quarterback. And guess what happened yesterday? That starting quarterback of Colorado entered the transfer portal. You know, I mean, and, and Deion Sanders, when he first addressed the team, he told them, hey, a lot of you guys are gone, and I want you gone. And and you mentioned that, that, that you know, a lot of players, and this isn't just at Colorado and Deion Sanders, but uh, coaches are using the portal 
to uh, encourage players to leave so they can bring in new ones, right? It's just another tool of yep. roster management. But I want to just start with Dion Sanders and your take on everything that Dion has done. And it it is it is stirred up a big controversy uh, of just his actions over the last few days. Well, you know, I watched the video when, when he talked to the, to the team, and I don't have a problem with it because I'm old school. I, you know, I always like the Bill Parcells who drafted me, right? That you're going to know where you stood, right? What, no, we're going to play a game. You know, I like the upfront, tell me what it is. If I'm not good here, go on and find something else. I'm not going to have a chance to compete, go on. I'm fine with it. A lot of people thought it was, was bad. I, I didn't. I'm like, at least, at least the young men know. Okay, I'm out. I ain't going to have a chance to do I'm not going to be the quarterback. I need to leave. And I'm, I'm glad that you let me know before I waste time. And so I'm okay with that. I understand why some people did not like it as well. But Dion, and you talked about this, the same thing with, uh, you know, with Dilfer, right, at UAB. I mean, he's bringing in that instant credibility. He's bringing in uh, the national uh, respect yeah, I, now with ESPN right. and the car wash. I mean, all of that stuff. So Dion, I just saw he just tweeted before I came on with you guys. You know, guys saying, I'm blessed to receive an offer from Colorado to Buffalo. And then he tweeted, it'd be great to say I'm blessed that I'm committing to Colorado instead of just receiving an offer. Dion can recruit. Dion is going to go in the living room. He's going to light it up. You know, me being an ordained minister, I understand, you know, you know, I'm not going to question what God told him to do uh, because if that's, that's what, then you do it, right? Because that's a, you know, God can say go here and go there. He can say go. He did it to Moses. He's done it to a lot of great men in the Bible. But listen, but I know one thing: Dion's going to get great coaches. He's going to he's going to recruit his tail off. And with the transfer portal now, with all these thousands of players that are sitting there, you can build a roster very quickly and go from the doldrums, right? Like like Joseph in the Bible, Dion getting ready to go from the pit to the palace, you know, and he can do that overnight. And so. You know, and kids, you know, Trey Sanders tweeted, hey, Prime, Coach Prime, you got time for me, bro. You know, these players, are, you know, they want to go. Because why? They want to get to the league, and they want to be around prime time. And that's what these kids are flash. We're going to wear shades. We're going to dance. We're going to play music. Yeah, by the way, we can't wear hats. We're not going to be able to wear earrings in the meeting room. There's going to be some really tough things he's going to ask from you. But, man, this guy been successful in two pro sports. If I Why wouldn't you want to go play for a guy like that? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I think we're going to see more of this. I think you'll start seeing more athletes with that swag and got, got you know, that credibility go get hired. And, and because now you got to play the social media game. Listen, the coach talking to the players about social media. He had his guy, a social media guy in there. You know, he's playing this, 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 this football game is crazy. I mean, it's, it's gone crazy. It's almost like the NFL is going to be like the XFL before we know it. It really is. I mean, it's going—it's it's craziness right now. So, I, I don't know, man. Um, I love Prom. Uh, he's a good dude, and I think he'll do well. Um, he said he got his bag. He didn't came. He didn't come there because of the bag. But listen, you made five hundred thousand at Jackson State, and you're making six million now. Uh, I think the bag has something to do with it. <laughs> 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 I don't know about, I don't know about Jesus Christ. Well put. I'm a preacher. 
but I may, may the Lord send that manna from heaven in the bag, Lord, because I want to go to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he'd find a, a spot oh, wow. for you. He seems like he's trying to get everybody in Colorado, and uh, right, rightfully so. I think he has a good chance to turn that program around. I mean, you spoke on that. That's kind of you know his expertise is to kind of get everybody on board. You know, he he has a and that flashy persona, and guys want to go play for him. Sure. Um, I do want to ask you a quick question, though. There's no, you know, the new trend now is, you know, for all the top NFL prospects to start sitting out of these bowl games and in the, in the college football playoffs. I mean, what, what do you think about that? And and if you were a college player in today's game, what would you do if you were, you know, let's say a first or second round uh, NFL draft prospect? Would you sit out of one of these bowl games, or would you go ahead and finish that last game with your teammates? Yeah, you know, Christian, you know, and I, and I know you're a little bit different than me with this because I know you probably <laughs> want to play. And, like, I want to beat my brothers. And you always say all the great things that make you a great player kid. And, but your dad going to look a little different. Because dad, you know where I came from, bro. I came out of the back. Listen, I, my old thing was to get to the league and make some cheddar, right? <laughs> so I can't blame a kid. Uh, you know, I'm not going to blame Bryce Young or Will Anderson. To say, you know what, Sugar Bowl is a you know, New Year's Day, whatever they call that thing, New Year's Six Bowl. Um, it's, yeah, I get it. But listen, 10, 20, 30, 40 million. I mean, look at that tight end bus from Michigan years ago. Uh, kids get hurt, man. I know they give you some insurance, but it ain't going to cover what you possibly, possibly could have made uh, in the National Football League. So me personally, I will be chasing the bag because I know that bag money ain't going to last for, it ain't going to be for me for long. So when that window's open, I got to go get it. Now, the problem I got, dude, is going to be seven-round free agent thinking they're going to get a bag and sit out. That makes no sense to me when, that they, as Coach Saban said, they could go build value for themselves. So I got a first, second-round grade. I appreciate y'all, dog. I enjoyed the playing all these games with you, eating, breaking bread. But T. Miller is out. T. Miller's out. I'm waving to I'm waving to the folks in the stadium at Alabama like Bryce Young. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. What what great segments you present us, Corey. Uh, we'll do it again next week, if that's okay with you. Well, yeah, I'm hoping I might be down in, in Christian Parts in uh, Tuscaloosa next week. I'll let him know. Might go sit in the studio. Perfect. Uh, great. We'll all go have a smoke later. We'll get a stick. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. I'm about to do one right now. Uh, good for you. Uh, what a delightful guy and a hell of a dad. A uh, hell of a player, for that matter. Uh just as we go to break here, we're going to warm up the phones. That's what we're going to finish the show with. So you can give us a call at, hang on. 205-342-9904. Thank you. I have my little note here. Eventually, after three weeks, you'd think I'd commit it to memory. But then again, um, one final note on Dion going from Jackson State to Colorado. Christian, have you been to Jackson, Mississippi? I have not. Have you been to Boulder, Colorado? Have never been there as well. Well, just, just, just you know, get the uh, geography in your mind there and uh, wonder how loyal <laughs> Dion was, just as as far as uh, just the overall view, if you will. All right, here's that number one more time. It is two zero five three two four nine nine zero four. This is Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC.
This is Big Noon Sports. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer... Big Noon Sports, Matt, Lars, Christian, Josh, Joe, Jonathan, and many more down the line. Thanks for all your efforts. Our number is 205-342-9904. If you'd like to join the program, that's what we're going to do to the top of the hour until 2 o'clock is we will do that. Answer that, will you? Hey, uh, I want to go back to something that uh, Corey Miller said, and it's just an evolving part of our language. But he used the word boat raced. Lars, did people say boat raced 10 years ago? Yeah, I think so. 20? It just seems a relatively new term for kicking somebody's rear. Yeah, I will say uh, I've written over well over a million words, and I've never used the word boat raced. Uh, I like it. I, I, I really don't know if it necessarily fits because boat race is fun. It's have, fast. Have you ever it's, been to a boat race? Yeah. I used to have them on Lake Gunnersville up in uh, northeast Alabama a lot. We used to go. Hydroplanes? Man, they are cool. You know, Rick Hendrick was in into boat racing before he got into NASCAR, and then his best friend died boat racing, and... Uh, that ultimately was what led him to get out of that sort of sport of boat racing and into NASCAR. Learn Fun something facts to know and yeah. tell. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you ghostwrite books. Uh, and not, here's, here's a... Uh, huh. <laughs> um, and there are, there are a few more. Like uh, one that's kind of in, in, been in my crawl for the last few years is Line to Gain. Come on now. I mean, it's been line of scrimmage, first down marker forever. We just, are we so bored with our language that we just have to come up with new? And you're a wordsmith. Do you like it when the television commentators are in the line the game? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I do understand how difficult the job is to be a play-by-play -play person. Uh, and you would know better than me because you have done it many, many times. I think it's often, it's difficult to use the King's English when you are in a, a moment where you are just, you're, you're talking off the uh, top of your head, extemporaneous, and it, it's, it's difficult, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, but it's more, it's almost as fun as playing. Christian, here, I'll give you one. Um, you're an edge rusher. Mm -hmm. We used to just kind of call that an outside linebacker. Right. But I guess it is. In this case, it is more specific. Yeah. So I, I see the reason for edge. I, but here's I'm another curious. one. I'm like, curious. Do, do you consider yourself an edge rusher or an outside linebacker, Christian? Uh, honestly, both. I mean, I understand the term edge because you, you, you're playing on the edge, and with so many different schemes nowadays, um, they kind of almost can jumble together because nowadays, uh, one, at one point you can be playing with your hand in the dirt in a four-three defensive end role, and the next you can be standing up and uh, in an odd front as a three-four outside linebacker. So you kind of just say edge as a general term. Uh, that way, it coincides with both three-four and four-three schemes. Um, so that one makes sense to me. Was who was the first 
guy to catch that moniker? Ed, was it LT? Uh, I don't know if it was around Could, then. It might might be newer, maybe. I don't know. That's a great question. Well, I, mean, I guess it's just as far as the definition of oh, the word, definition? was he the first outside lamp? Yeah. He was the impact guy. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> they made a movie about him. Actually, it was about Michael Ower, but it was uh, about Lawrence Taylor and Joe Theismann. Oh, I can't even stop and think about that. Hey, I was doing just a little work here uh, during the break because we got into what I think is a very fascinating topic about college football, and that's consultants. Can we revisit that? Yeah. Can you just off the top, Christian Lars, just name me some consultants that Alabama's had. Uh, well, Jeremy Pruitt, right? You mean yeah. analyst? Like an- yeah, am I saying an- consultant an- yeah, analyst? Yeah. Analyst. I, I, I'm Jer- kind of one in the same. Jeremy there. Pruitt, um, the other head coach from Tennessee who Butch was fired. Jones. Butch Jones. Um, I mean, Christian would know far better. Christian, than who me. was who was uh, analyst or consultant, whatever they're calling? I guess there is a difference. Actually, I don't need to uh, confuse the two terribly. But who who was there as a an analyst when you were playing? Oh, uh, well, the other guys he mentioned: uh, Charlie Strong, former head coach, uh, was also an analyst. Uh, I talked uh, earlier about Glenn Schumann, who is a linebackers coach at Georgia. Um, you know, there's a few more guys. Uh, it's hard to think off the top of my head. These guys are almost like ghosts. I, I'm telling you. You know, you'll see them in the building upstairs in the coach's office. But again, they're not. They're not coaching you specifically. You'll see them on the practice field with you know paper in their hand, and they're just you know eyeing eyeing the practice and kind of taking it all in. <laughs> but they're, they're, I'm telling you, they're behind the scenes. You know, they're almost like the like the Navy SEALs. You know, you don't really you see them too often. They just <laughs> they get their they get the job done, and and uh, they're the unsung heroes. Where, do they watch from the press box, or are they on the sideline? Uh, we know? That's a great question. I, I want to say usually the press box. I'm not, I don't think they can be on the sideline. I think they're prohibited from being on the sideline, actually. I could be wrong on that. Um, all right, speaking of Alabama coaches, Christian, uh, there are some rumors out there that Bill Belichick may be uh, giving Bill O'Brien a call. Uh, because New England's offense is really struggling. Matt Patricia, who has been a longtime defensive guy, has been removed as as a play caller, uh, or, or I'm sorry, could be removed as a play caller during the off season. And on Monday, Belichick actually sort of opened the door to uh, the possibility of someone joining uh, his staff next year as an offensive coordinator. And uh, and Bill O'Brien, right? Uh, he his name was floated as a potential replacement for Josh McDaniels last se- last season after McDaniels left. Um, what what are your thoughts on 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 Bill O'Brien? Uh, I, my own personal opinion is that he's gotten some unfair criticism this year. You know, Alabama fans, like all fan bases, they they want to they want to blame somebody when nothing when when something goes wrong and and uh and and i i feel like o'brien has gotten uh, an unfair amount of that uh sort of hurled at him um just your thoughts on bill o'brien yeah i think uh i agree with you lars that 
you know, he definitely has been uh, the focus of some criticism. And, um, again, nobody's perfect. I, I think he's actually done a decent job. I, I know there's probably some things that we can look at that could be better. But here's the thing. I mean, this guy has experience um, at the pro level and success at the pro level. I mean, he was uh, the former New England offense coordinator, and then he was a head coach and general manager, so to speak, for the Houston Texans. So um, he has uh, some valuable uh, experience um, as a coach, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if they do call him back on the NFL level. Uh, but uh, but again, uh, I'm not saying he had a, a perfect uh, season coaching uh, this year with, with Alabama, but um, I definitely think, you know, um, some, some of it is a little, you know, over the edge, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if they call him back uh, on, on, into the, the NFL ranks and uh, we see him coaching um, for an NFL team next season if he's not with Alabama, depending on how that goes. I'm, we'll see. I'm really, I'm really kind of surprised we hadn't heard movement um, with O'Brien thus far. Yeah. Because um, there's some, there's still some pretty good gigs out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do think he would leave Alabama for another shot at being an offensive coordinator in the NFL, which raises the question, if Bill O'Brien leaves, who would be next in line? I mean, is there is there I, somebody I is there somebody on staff right now? Major Applewhite. It's the third or fourth time he's been an analyst on Saban's staff, so he's he's going to be the offensive. Wasn't he his first? Wasn't he Saban's first yeah, offensive coordinator? Yeah, and he failed spectacularly. He, yeah, he, but he's if you're going to fail, fail, fail. Was he a, was he a consultant or analyst when you were there, Christian? Uh, I remember him being there. I can't remember if he was there after I had left and I just saw him when I was back in the facilities working out and training um, but I've definitely been around him a lot I just can't remember if it was when I was there or if when I, I, I visit the program so often that I get it mixed up sometimes but I'm, I'm familiar with him yeah I think like he, I think said, he joined in 2019 fine. I think he joined in 20, I think he came the year after I left but I've I've seen him up there a lot yeah that would be a natural sort of uh uh, a, a natural fit just to elevate uh major so um well i think he might he think he might be at south alabama i don't, even, I don't now. think he's on the staff yeah i think he's at yeah, south alabama he may now. Be. Oh, oh that's my bad but they can bring him back well i was also reading a story from 2019 when i was going through some of those you know javier arenas was uh was a, an analyst yep uh pretty good player he was one of those guys that would light up the stadium when he Drop back in punt formation. He kind of had hey, that, uh, that Cadillac pretty- effect, honestly. He he was one of those guys that kind of, uh, when he was an analyst, was you know always you know, helpful with guys. And since he was a younger guy and had um, so much valuable experience as a player, he he was um, he was a, he was a big part of that staff um, that no one really you know heard about. Just because again, analysts they they're, they're unsung heroes. You don't really see or hear much from them, but they're crucial. A pretty, I think, significant move. You know, I'm following. We're going to go an hour and 44 minutes, and I'll bring up Arkansas. Okay. Uh, little piggies lost their DC. This is big. Barry Odom's gone. Yeah, that is a big. And that is huge. They also lost their best defensive player. And Drew Sanders is going pro. Yeah, I still don't understand how he got out. How Alabama didn't keep him, but uh, he 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 was an amazing player this past year and last year, and uh, I think he's going to be a terrific NFL player. Christian, will he play inside or out in the NFL? That's a great question. Depending on the team who drafts him and what scheme they run, um, he really can uh, play both. 
He kind of, if he plays inside, he kind of reminds me of a Leighton Vander Esch from the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. A tall, lengthy, lanky, and rangy inside linebacker. Um, really athletic. That, that's kind of the same kind of build. You know, that six four range, um, and just really, you know, slender, but you no, know, has muscle and can run sideline to sideline. But he honestly can do both, and uh, that's that's what's going to make him so valuable, and that's what's going to make him a top. NFL draft pick because he's one of those guys they can fill him in at any position any of the linebacker positions you know inside or outside he can play in a 4-3 scheme he can play the Sam in a 4-3 scheme where he can cover a tight lineup on tight ends and drop in coverage and, and, and rush off the edge as well you know he obviously could play some special teams so th- there's not much he can't do on the football field and uh, I think he's going to end up being a first round draft pick it, it's unfortunate that he uh, he escaped uh, you know the program here. I feel like he would have been a huge uh, piece to this defense. But um, you know, I'm glad that he was able to find success with Arkansas, and I'm excited to see what he does in the future. I'm going to step away from our norm, which is college football in the NFL. When we get back and bring you some information, that I think is of note. Right here on Big News, the New York Yankees. Ah, you read my mind. Uh-huh. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. It's the Tuscaloosa Community Calendar, powered by Pepsi. Looking for ways to give this holiday season? Be sure to support the wonderful children of the Ben... Oh, at 59. Tomorrow, temperatures near record levels. The sky partially sunny. The high in the upper 70s at 79. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Sports, Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter. Glad you tuned us in. Christian just posted a story, breaking news, and um, we got about five minutes to comment on it. Christian? Yeah, so it looks like that the uh, Virginia football players whose eligibility would have expired in 2022 were just granted an extra year of eligibility excuse me, next season. Um, after having uh, those final two games canceled due to the tragic uh, murders of three of their teammates. Um, thought that was, you know, a very stand-up thing to do by the NCAA because, um, you know, that was just a horrific um, incident that occurred uh, at Virginia. And uh, for those guys to have to deal with that, um, so unfortunate. And uh, I'm just glad that they'll be able to have that extra year of eligibility uh, if they do intend on using it. And I uh, thought that was a very good thing for the NCAA to do. I also think it uh, underscores the trauma that uh, these young people have been through. And, um, you know, when when you're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, oftentimes you have not experienced uh, losing uh, someone close to you. And, uh, and when you do, when it happens the first time in your life, it is, uh, it is profound. 
It is, uh, you feel it deep in your soul, and uh, it, it, uh, it, it takes a long time to get over, and you got to figure out how to grieve, uh, the grieving process, and uh, this is just a, a wonderful move, Matt, by the NCAA doing this. Um, I, I agree, and nobody uh, in the locker room, I mean, they... they Probably like you just said, they're just they're dealing with it. The last two games, I mean, some of these guys might have improved over the last two games and been more NFL ready. Um, but and I'm not trying to. Uh, God, this is a difficult way to ask this question, but uh, I just I thought of this because we're kind of programmed. Does that mean that there will be? Uh, is there a possibility for a seventh year senior on that team with COVID? Yes. Yes. Wow. How crazy is that? Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. So you, you could have a redshirt year. Right. You got the COVID year, and now uh, you have this extra year of eligibility. So a seventh-year senior could technically be about Christian's age right now. I know Christian. Stetson's <laughs> been at the four. <laughs> That's right. Wow. That's a, um, it's a lot of college. That's that is a lot of college, you know. You can, I need you, seven to get you, through Virginia. Well, hey, and, and the, yeah, it is a great great school. But think of it. I mean, man, you could have uh, you could be you could have your master's degree and well on your way to your PhD, all paid for if uh, if you if you choose to take those seven years. But again, let's keep our eye on the ball here. This really is about uh, the the tragic murders of those three players, Lavelle Davis, Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry, and uh, and just the, the the collective trauma that uh, that 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 team is experiencing, that campus is experiencing, the families are experiencing, and uh, I just I, I think this is a, a really it, it's more than a gesture, it's an acknowledgement that um, something needed to be done to try to make sure that these kids get the most out of their college football experience as possible. And and I, I think, Christian, we're we're universal in, in applauding the NCA for this decision. No, that's exactly right. All right, final note. Oh, go ahead, man. Uh, sorry, Christian, I just stepped all over you. I just wanted to make sure that we all knew that Aaron Judge was staying in the Big Apple. 360 mil, nine years? Yeah. Uh, and, look, he, he turned down – I think about a $220 million deal before the season, and he bet on himself, and he goes out and hits 62 home runs, becomes the American League home run uh, record holder, and uh, the bet paid off because he ended up making about $100 million off of that bet. And then yesterday, I mentioned it very briefly, Verlander um, is getting two years, $86 million. So he's actually making more per year than Aaron Judge. But 39 years old, and he was the best pitcher in baseball. The guy's a beast. Un. Hey, you you just need him to perform in October. And he does. Always. Sassy Astros. Or whomever played them. Hey, great show, guys. Let's do this again tomorrow. See y'all. When choosing a wireless provider, you're forced to compromise. But what if you didn't have to? What if you could get reliable service without a contract and save money? Introducing Total by Verizon.